Hey there, Hope Markham, wherever you are, whatever time you're watching us, this, thank you for once again inviting us into your home so that we can worship God together. Happy Mother's Day weekend to all the moms uh, that are watching this. I want to invite you now to grab a copy of the scriptures and open your Bible up together with me to Romans chapter 8. Today we're going to be looking at the second way that we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit to be empowered by him, to live a life of vitality and assurance and hope. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 to verse 13. Let me read this now and pray for us. This is God's word. It speaks to us today, and this is what it says. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Let me take a moment uh, to pray for us now. Lord God, thank you for the promise of life that we can have in Christ through the Spirit. We feel the pain of the ruin of our sin. We feel the spiritual death that it can cause. We feel how life can be suffocated out from our lungs. But I thank you, God, that you have made the promise that the Spirit is life, gives life, and we can live in him. So, Lord, today, would you give us understanding, faith, and courage to know how we can cooperate with the Spirit to see these old ways killed, to see the new way flourish in our lives. Help us now in Jesus' name, amen. So my family and I moved into our first home last August. It's been, I don't know, was it May now? Nine months or so that we've been in our new home. And when we moved in, in the summer, um, I wanted to try and learn how to do lawn care. Hadn't really had that responsibility in the past because I was renting, but now my own place, my own lawn, and want to learn how to care for it. So I got a manual push mower, and I got a sprinkler, and it was late in the season, so... I just wanted to get into the rhythm of just cutting the lawn. So I did that pretty frequently, uh, watering the grass, cutting the lawn. And from the vantage point that I was at, looking down to the lawn from a couple feet above the ground, it looked like I had a reasonably green grass. Well, now it's spring, and it's our first spring that I'm doing lawn care. And I'm not just standing up a couple feet above the ground, but I'm getting on my knees recognizing that I need to pull weeds. And now that I'm a couple inches off the ground, rather than a few feet off the ground, I've realized, wow, there are a lot of weeds. And I have done nothing to help these weeds grow. They've just grown by themselves. This can kind of feel like what the Christian life is like. We see promises in the scripture that we can see spiritual life flourish. We see that we can have vitality, we can have hope, we can have assurance. Uh, It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. 
It's the spirit working through us, willing and working for his good pleasure. But without trying, we can see sin uh, flourish and expand in a way that destroys and deprives us of the life that we want to live. There is a life that's better than we could imagine, and we can't experience that life. But if we're going to be able to experience, we need to cooperate with the Spirit to understand how we can remove and bury these old habits so that we can flourish in the new way. This is what Romans chapter 8, verse 9 to 13 is about. Last week, we learned that we can cooperate with the Spirit by setting our minds on Him. This week, we're going to learn that we can cooperate with the Spirit by the Spirit putting to death the deeds of the body. Romans 8, verse 9 to 13, shows us that even though sin still lingers, we can experience real life through the Spirit. Sin still lingers. It still festers and grows, but we can experience real life through the Spirit. Romans 8, verse 9 to 13, explains the, three, the reasons that real life is available the reasons real life is available, and the responsibility that we have to experience it. So the reason that real life is available is explained in verse 9 to 11. What is the reason? Even though sin still lingers, we can't experience real life because we belong to the Spirit who is life-giving. The reason we can experience real life is because we belong to the life-giving Spirit. Look at verse 9 again. Although you are not in the flesh, you, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Notice again the difference and the distinction that the Apostle Paul shows between the Spirit and the flesh, as we saw a distinction last week. This week, we see this sense of comfort that Paul gives to his readers. He tells them, you are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit. To be in the flesh is to be associated with the flesh and the ruin that we can experience from the flesh. To be in the Spirit is to be associated with the Spirit and to experience the life that, the real life that comes from the Spirit. The flesh, as we've learned in the past, is our human nature. It's human nature that's been ruined and that's completely missed what it was designed to be because we chose a path that's hostile to God. And because we turned away from the author of life, we're experiencing the pains and ruins of spiritual death. But in Christ, because of God's radical love and grace, even though we were hostile to him in his flesh, he chooses through Christ to not associate to us as in the flesh, as hostile enemies. In Christ, he chooses to associate us as friends. He chooses to even be the dwelling place where the Spirit of God lives in us. He chooses to say that even though you thought everything that I had offered to you was objectionable, even though you didn't want me, I'll now adopt you and you will belong to me. This is the radical grace and love of God. Despite all our hostility to him, God doesn't write us off. 
We chose to live a hostile life, but he chose to make peace with us. He chose to live in us. He chose to allow us to belong to him. We can experience real life because the spirit of God lives in us. And the spirit is life and he gives life. We can experience real life because we belong to the life-giving spirit. Even though sin still lingers in us. See, the passage says the body is dead because of sin. Sin still lingers in us. We don't try just naturally by the default way that we live. The weeds of sin still grow. The body is death because of sin. Yes, we're set free from the penalty of sin. Yes, we're rescued from the punishment of sin. But the presence of sin and its temptation still lingers on. You feel it every day. You feel it when you said that thing to your kids that you wish you didn't say. You feel it when you spent money on your credit card online when you said you wouldn't. We feel the pain of our sin lingering on every day, and it can be suffocating. But the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit in us is life because of righteousness. The spirit is life and gives life. He is life because he is evidence that we have the righteousness of Christ. Sin separated us from the life of God, but the righteousness that God gave to us in Christ restores us to the life of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He, Jesus, who knew no sin, became our sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He is life and he gives life. How does the Spirit give life? It's so comforting to know that God associates to us and that we belong to him. And I hope you're comforted by knowing that even though you were hostile and can be hostile, God loves you and he lives in you. I hope that comforts you. And I hope this gives you courage. He gives life to you, to me, through the same power that brought Christ back to life after he died. The scripture says in verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Sin, man, sin can just beat us down and make us feel so broken. John Owen, theologian who wrote a book on this subject called The Modification of Sin, he said that, if we let sin linger, it will certainly do to us three things. It will darken our souls into despair. It will uh, deprive us of the life that we can have. And it will destroy any peace that we want. And maybe you feel that. Maybe you feel broken and you're just trying to hide it and cover it up. Or maybe you feel darkened and despairing and you're just giving into it and feeling that life is hopeless. Have courage. Christ rose from the dead. The power that rose Christ from the dead here is attributed to the spirit. That same power lives in you. So yeah, you feel overcome. Yeah, those weeds keep popping up. Have courage. The life-giving spirit that rose Christ Christ from the dead dwells in you. And if the Spirit give life to Christ, he'll give life to you. This is a promise. 
he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. He associates with you even though you're hostile to him. He gives life to you. The Spirit's res- resurrection power can take our anxiety and give life to us that provides peace. He can take the ruin of selfishness and give the life-giving joy of love. He can take despair and he can give the life of, of, of hope. He can take indulgence and give the life of self-control. In what way do you need the Spirit's life now? In what way do you feel broken down by sin? If you're struggling to fight through Romans chapter 8, 13, go back to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And remember who you are in Christ. We're going to learn the practices in a moment of how with the Spirit we can bury these old ways. But for now, believe the promise. Hold on to that in faith. You believe Christ rose from the dead? Believe that he will give you life as well through the Spirit. This is the reason life is available because we belong to the life-giving Spirit. But now that we belong to him, if we're going to experience his life, we have a responsibility that we need to fulfill. Even though sin still lingers, we can experience life because we belong to the life-giving Spirit, but we must bury our old ways by the Spirit. Bury it. Kill it. Remove the breath. Bleed it out. Now, the language that we are going to hear in, in this next part is language of violence. It's, it's strong language. Thus far, Paul has been comforting, he's been encouraging, he's been teaching. But when he uses words like put to death sin, this shows us the severity of what's at stake and the seriousness of what our responsibility is. Look at verse 12 and verse 13 with me. He starts again with encouragement. He says, so then, brothers, brothers, Be comforted again. We were once hostile, but now we belong to the Spirit. We were once enemies, but now we're adopted and beloved by the Father. So then, brothers, we are debtors. This doesn't mean that we are in debt to God or that we need to repay something to God. If you take out a loan, uh, you have the obligation and responsibility to pay that loan back to the lender. You don't get to keep it for yourself exclusively. You have an agreement with them. And based on this agreement, based on what they have given to you, you have an obligation to them. Obligation, responsibility, is what Paul is trying to explain here. We have new association. We belong to the Spirit. We are brothers and part of a spiritual family. Because we have a new association, we have new obligations. Because we've been set free from the sin, we are released from our obligations under the captivity of sin. We have no responsibility to offer ourselves to sin. We do have responsibility now to offer our heart and our conduct and our minds completely to God. We have a new responsibility. It's serious. 
and the consequences are severe. I wonder, are you taking this new responsibility seriously? To kill sin. Verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. That's what's at stake. If we continue to live according to our old way, giving in to our old desires, under which we were in captivity and bondage, we're going to be suffocated of the spiritual life that we can have. If we live according to the flesh, we will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death, you kill the deeds of the flesh, here's the promise again, you will live. Remember the life that is offered by the Spirit. The life of the Holy Spirit is nourishing. It's refreshing. It's rejuvenating. It's invigorating. It's energizing. It's animating. It's the type of life that recognizes that life is hard and there will be suffering. But it's a life marked by love and joy and peace and patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It's a type of life that has harmony with God and harmony with others. And even though it knows strife comes, it's the type of life that can pick its head off the pillow at the beginning of the day, knowing that it has a purpose. And it's a type of life that can put its head on the pillow at the end of the day, knowing that whatever came, it was worth it. Are you enjoying that type of life? If you're not, maybe it's because you're not taking this new responsibility seriously. Are you taking the battle seriously? Do you have a sense of the real severity? Or are you choosing to daily cozy up and get comfortable with the sin that Christ was crucified for? John Owen, who wrote this book, Mortification of Sin, says this. The choicest of believers who are assuredly freed from the condemning power of sin ought yet to make it their business all the days of their life to mortify, to kill the indwelling power of sin. Do you mortify, he asks. Do you make it your daily work? Be always at it whilst you live. Cease not a day from this work. Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. So how do we do this? If by we live according to the flesh, we will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The way that we bury our old ways is to cooperate with the spirit. And in that way, in cooperation with him, he will put our sin to death and he will give us life. So in order to understand how the spirit himself puts our sin to death, we need to know how he acts upon the Spirit. But immediately you might um, be skeptical because you've already tried these things before. You've already, you feel like you've already tried the strategies before. You've already tried putting all the software on your computer. You've already tried um, having a flip phone instead of a smartphone. You've already tried moving to a new city. You, you've already tried uh, uh, um, having an online self-help coach. You've already tried making new friends and getting, you've already tried, but you still feel sin lingering on. I think the reason that many of us 
uh, feel like we want to give up the battle against sin is because our trying is aiming at outward behavior rather than cooperating with the Spirit to look at the real problem, which is in our hearts. See, that's how the Spirit acts to be able to kill our sin. He doesn't just try and modify outward behavior. He transforms the inner desire of our hearts. So what I want to do is show you three ways that the Spirit acts against our sin and show you the three ways that we can cooperate with him to see our sin put to death. How does the Spirit act against our sin? First, the Spirit kills our sin by convicting us of sin. John 14, verse 8, Jesus talking about the Spirit says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Not convict us to condemn us, convict us to discipline us like a loving father would discipline a child to redirect them away from the bad way that will hurt them and towards the good way that will allow them to flourish. And our job to cooperate with the Spirit is to listen to his convicting power, to listen to his convicting voice, and to not avoid it, but acknowledge the wrong and repent of it. He convicts us. Our job is to listen, not avoid, acknowledge, and repent. The Spirit kills sin by convicting us of sin. Second, the Spirit kills sin by assuring us that we are loved. He, he reminds us and teaches us about all that who we are in Christ, even though we still sin. The passage we'll learn about next week, Romans 8 verse 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. See, we do sin. But his discipline assures us that we are legitimate children of God who are actually adopted, who are actually loved. So how can we cooperate him? Well, when we're convicted of our sin, don't beat yourself up in despair. Listen to his conviction and repent. Then believe. Believe that you are not condemned but that you were forgiven and loved. The Spirit kills sin by convicting us of sin. The Spirit kills sin by assuring us that we are loved, even though we still sin. And then third, the Spirit gives us new desires. It's not just changing about the outward behavior. There are some things in the fear of God and with wise strategies that you should put in place to be able to resist and avoid temptation. But if that's it only, you're missing what the Spirit is aiming at. And the Spirit is aiming you at your heart. Listen to Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 and 27. It says, I, God, will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This was a prophecy that the 
uh, prophet Ezekiel said would happen when the spirit comes. Our cold hearts that just want to follow our way and worship our own little gods and have our own sinful desires, those cold stone hearts when we believe in Christ, those hearts are removed and we're giving a new heart, a beating heart of flesh that can beat and desire after the things that God wants, that please him. The spirit will give you new desires, new desires. He will cause us to walk in a new way. What we must we do is be careful to obey. This is how we cooperate with the Spirit. He changes our desires so that God is first. This is the first desire that needs to be replaced because this is the desire that brought humanity into the ruin of sin in the first place. Adam and Eve were not content with God being in first place. They wanted to be like God. So rather than following the good way that he led, they took the control of their own way and followed in disobedience a commandment that God told them not to do. The first way that God changes our hearts is he reorders our desires to say, he's first, his ways for my good. And then when God is in first place, our desire will be to want to please him. Not because we need to do something to be accepted by him, because what have our, he's already done for us. He convicts us and we listen and repent. He reassures us that we're forgiven and we believe in the gospel. And he gives us new desires to cause us walk in his way and we must be careful to obey. That's how we cooperate. When we keep in step with the Spirit through repentance, with faith and obedience, he will slowly and surely root out those old desires and replace within it new desires to want to worship him rather than ourselves, to want to love him and others rather than seek to our own interests first. Galatians 5, verse 16 and, 7, 16 and 17 talks about this. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Listen to that again. There's only one room for one type of desire in your heart. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. When we obey the Spirit's desires the desire for sin will slowly and steadily weaken. He convicts us of sin so we should listen and, re- and, re- and, and repent. He assures us that we are forgiven so we should believe. He gives us new desires so we should obey. If we're just looking to our habits and the outward appearance and just making adjustments to our behaviors, it's just like mowing over a lawn of weeds. You're not getting to the root, and you might even be spreading the seed about more. Cooperating with the Spirit is getting on your knees with Him and allowing Him to dig into your heart to pull out our idolatry and our lusts so that He can replace it with new desires. This is a promise. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. But maybe you haven't been cooperating with the Spirit and you know it. Maybe you've been only looking at the outside and not looking at your heart. 
Maybe you've been getting comfy and cozy with sin that you know Christ was crucified for. If you don't feel the nearness of his presence, if there's no wind in your sails, if it feels like it's dry whenever you go to read and pray or you can't hear his voice and continually go into sin, maybe the reason that you feel distant from him is because you have quenched his voice, because you've quenched the spirit. I can do this. I've done this. If we can't hear the Spirit's voice, it's likely because a time previously passed when he was convicting you and you internally rationalized why it was okay to sin. And his voice was clear, but your rationalization of why it's okay to sin was just plugging your ears and avoiding the good that he had for you. If this is what you've been doing, then you're going to have a, a real hard time trying to work through Romans 8.13. I would encourage you to backtrack to Romans 7.24 and refresh and renew your mind in what God has done for you through the Spirit. Yes, I am ruined, but I have a Redeemer. Christ lived the life I couldn't and died the death that I deserved to give me the grace that I didn't earn. And now accusations are silenced. Allegations are dropped. There's no condemnation. You're set free. Believe that. Believe that first. And then set your mind on the spirit again and reorient yourself around his way, not around the way of sin. And then, then with him, you can allow, hear, you will be able to hear his convicting voice again and you can repent you will be able to know that you are assured of his love and you can believe you will be able to understand and recognize the new desires with God in first place and you will be able to obey. And in this way, when we walk by the spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Believe it. Let me close by offering you a sense of hope. Because I know in my own life, like, um, these truths are true, but they feel far off. And I feel so broken and so weighed down because I've quenched the spirit and it feels so, the fire is gone. Even in our brokenness, the light of the gospel makes it beautiful. The light of the gospel makes our brokenness beautiful. Right now, you might feel like a shattered saint. Maybe you recognize that you've been looking on outward behavior for so long. All that you th thought life could have been has been broken into what feels like irreparable shards of glass. But Christian, because you are in Christ, God can take your brokenness and make it beautiful. Thousands of little pieces of shards of glass are the beginning um, materials needed to be able to make stained glass. And when light shines through the shattered window of uh, stained glass, the lights and the colors that are seen are beautiful. The light of the gospel can shine through our lives to make our brokenness beautiful in this life. And maybe you've, maybe you've never actually, even once, listened to the Spirit. Maybe you've never recognized that because of your sin you were separated from God. Maybe you've always, for your whole life, plugged your ears to the voice of God that has been telling you this is wrong and you're guilty for it. 
Today is the day to listen to his voice. If you hear his voice today, do not harden your heart. You may have been hardening your heart with a stone heart for the whole time. God wants to give you a new heart today. Believe that Christ lived the life that you couldn't, that he died the death that you deserve, and he will replace that old stone heart with a new heart. He will gather together the broken pieces of your life and make them beautiful when his light shines through. And we can, in this life, experience real life through the Spirit. But have hope. Our true life is still waiting for us in the next life, in the life to come. On that day when Christ returns, he will make all things right and make all things new. And all that has been shattered will be made whole again, and we will stand before the pure light of God's glory. And all sin will be removed, and all death will be gone. Be comforted. Have courage. Even though sin still lingers, you can experience real life through the Spirit. The life-giving Spirit lives in you. And it's our responsibility through His power to put our sin to death. And in this way, we can experience abundant, assured, hope-filled, revitalized life. Father, thank you for the hope that we have in the Holy Spirit. If this were up to myself, I would be lost and I would not be able to experience the fullness of what you can have. But thank you that we are not alone and that you are a good Father who loves us enough to convict us, to give us a spirit who teaches us, who assures us, and who gives us new desires. So Father, would you help us to cooperate with him and enjoy the fullness of life in the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.